When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. The Star Wars Holiday Special. Starring Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. R2-D2 as R2-D2. Introducing Chewbacca's family, his wife Mala, his father Itchy, his son Lumpy, with special guest star Beatrice Arthur, Art Carney, Diane Carroll, the Jefferson Starship, Harvey Corman, and an animated Star Wars story on the Star Wars Holiday Special. Ready? See if you can identify these five clips in the order that they are played. It could be from a song, a movie, a TV show, or something else. But if it's coming from this podcast, then you know that it's from Generation X. If our guest gets it wrong on the show, then I'll explain how you can enter to win a fabulous prize package. Listen closely. Good luck. who ride a tat no buglers who root a toot toot. Don't let me see another toy, or you will feel my boot. Not a finger! Well, sir, someday I'd like to be a, a dentist. And welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Zade, your host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for ultimate slacker prizes and in the process do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We're so happy that you've chosen to join us here today. And I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. That's the spirit. You'll be celebrating life day before you know it. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas, everyone. This is our Christmas special episode. I am super excited to have these two guests here on the show as we share our memories of Christmas time during Generation X. Even if you don't celebrate Christmas or are not a Gen Xer, there's something here for everyone, I hope. But if you like reminiscing about Christmas movies like Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, and Rocky IV, as well as TV show Christmas specials from Generation X, then this episode is one you might especially like. Especially like... I'm happy to have a returning guest this episode and pleased to meet his competitor for the first time. Let's give a very quick hello to each of them now. Let's first welcome back to the show a one-time champion on the podcast, Jason. Welcome back to the show, Jason. Thank you, Zabe. And thank you for pointing out that I've been on three times and only won once. Appreciate My pleasure. That. 
That's what friends are I'm for. I'm happy man. to be here. This is going to be a fun episode. I've been looking forward to it, and uh, it's good to see you again. You as well, my friend. Jason, you've been on the show three other times now, twice as a, on the regular episodes, as you said, and once during the home game. So you, you weren't a loser. You didn't fail that one, right? You got a passing no. grade. Uh, yeah, I think I was in the middle. Yeah. And it, so, and it was uh, Indiana Jones scale. Right. We discussed yeah. all three Indiana Jones movies. I remember. Yes, all three. And now they're saying there's going to be a fifth one. I'm, I don't even know what that means. There wasn't a fourth one. I know. I, I, it's some sort of weird typo or something. But the fourth movie's coming out, and I'm excited to see it myself. I hope it's going to be good. Maybe it'll be a Christmas episode or a Christmas sequel. Is Indiana Jones and the Search for Santa's Hat. Search for Santa's Sack. <laughs> So after I punch your rewards member card at the end of this episode, you'll be halfway to getting a free sub. So congrats, Jason. Sweet. Let's mm. also welcome Jason's challenger and wife to the show. Please welcome to the show, Shauna. A lot of, a lot of guys call me Shauna. Shauna. I'm so excited to be here. It may be a bit of a painful loss because I do keep the useful information in my head. And Jason, not so much. It's more of the useless information. But it's his time to shine. So I'm just here to make him look good. Okay. Well, we'll see. Your husband's record on the show is one win and one loss. So you're going to break the tie here in this episode technically you're undefeated on the show so far at this point in time (laughs) so you have all the household rights and bragging rights right now we'll see if that holds up for the rest of the episode sounds good what's going against her is the only thing that i retain in this huge braid of mine is random crap absolutely useless i think that's why we're friends jason (laughs) (laughs) but before we meet them properly let's give a quick overview of the games we'll be playing today to the show this is how we play the show is broken up into three rounds of games and trivia whoever has the most points will win a chance at today's ultimate slacker prize before we start round one i'd like to remind everyone that the power struggle is once again in effect for this episode in the opening of the show you heard five quick clips and the game is you will need to name those five clips in the order that they were played on the show it could be from a movie a song a tv show or whatever but surely they're all from generation x and don't call me Shirley. And the game is that at any time during the episode, contestants can interrupt the game and declare that they want to solve the power struggle. They only get one chance to answer correctly. And if they are correct, then they instantly steal the power away from their opponent. However, if a guest gets it wrong here on the show, then we're going to open it up to all of you listening to this episode to contact the show and see if you can get it correct. All correct entries to contact the show via our newsletter will be entered into a drawing to win the prize package from the podcast. So stick around to see if our guests can get it correct or not. And then I'll explain how you can send in your entry try and win it we'll play the clip a couple of times during this episode so listen close and see if you can win the power struggle we're gonna jump right into round one now and get the games rolling round one hey you know you take the good you take the bad you take them both and there you have the first game of the day it's a game we call the facts of life the facts of life the facts of life We're going to do the facts of life a little differently in this episode. Instead of having a top 10 list, we have a list of things spanning most of the Gen X timeline for you to name. An incorrect answer will get you a strike and the player who gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of round one will be awarded the power, the power, which allows the player who has it to make all choices in the game first and wins all ties. You will get one point for each correct answer in the round. The holiday season is upon us, which means it's a perfect time to dive right into the history of iconic Gen X toys to give on Christmas. Toy shopping has transformed over the past 50 plus years due to advancements and products in the marketplace. Not to mention the definition of what a toy is has changed over time with advancements in technology. 
Some items remain curious relics of the past, while others are essentially as iconic now as they were upon their debut. Each one, however, functions as a window into the Gen X culture that we grew up with during Christmas time. But what toys were the ones in the highest demand? This Facts of Life list asks you, what were the top-selling toys and games of Generation X? The judges searched for products from 1967 to 1993 that caught hold of the imagination of us Gen X kids through novelty, innovation, kitsch, quirk, or simply great timing, and then rocketed to success. This list was curated using national toy and game archives and data curated by the Strong National Museum of Play, the Smithsonian Archives, as well as Toy and Hobby World Magazine's annual survey of over 3,000 U.S. retailers during the Christmas selling season. We have done the research, and these are indeed the facts of life. The list rules are that these are all top-selling toys and or games listed by each year from 1967 through 1993. Some of the entries are a single product name, and others represent a grouping of a single brand of toy or game. The judges will be leaning here if your guess is close enough to the item on the list. Since this is a season of giving, if either of you guess the item on the year that one of you were born on, then that person will have one strike removed from their total. Wait, did they have twice when you were born, honey? I think they it just was, had one of those metal wheels yeah, they, and a stick. It was, right? no, it was right of... after fire and, and just before the wheel. So, <laughs> Oh, my. <laughs> if you hear me call out the year that you were born, then let me know and we'll remove a strike. It is the judge's gift to you. Happy holidays. So tell me, what are the best-selling toys and games for Christmas gifts of Generation X? We played some reindeer games backstage to see who goes first. And Shauna was able to pull out the win. Shauna. So, Shauna, get us started. It has to be Cabbage Patch Kids. There were brawls in the Sears aisles over this Cabbage Patch Kid thing. Cabbage Patch Kids was from 1983. Mm, yes. Well done. Woo! Defined by their doughy bodies and large round heads, Cabbage Patch Kids took the world by storm after appearing on a TV show called Real People in 1980, if you remember that show. That storm turned into a full-blown monsoon by 1983, and desperate parents shoved, scratched, grabbed, elbowed, and punched their way down the toy aisle in hopes of snagging the popular doll before Christmas. Adjusted for inflation, a Cabbage Patch doll would run you $120 today. Well done, Shauna. You drew first blood. The first point is yeah. the hardest point, as they say on my friend's podcast. So we're going to steal <laughs> that and use it as well. Jason, you're up. I'm going to go ahead and say Mattel. Okay. You'd be a little bit more specific than that. Oh, okay. Okay. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. Well done. That is correct. That was the top selling toy of 1986. Oh, that's the year I was born. Real American heroes. <laughs> G.I. Joe was there. We Shauna, can, you're sandbagging. If you can sing the G.I. Joe theme song, you're you're ready for the show. <laughs> G.I. Joe, the USS Flag, the one toy to rule them all. The G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. It was not just the USS Flag that was sought after in 1986, but the G.I. Joe line as a whole were the most popular selling toys in Christmas of 1986, according to the survey by that magazine I mentioned earlier. 36 years later, and I'm still waiting for my seven-foot-long G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine, Jason? That was a hot, hot ticket. Oh, still in my dreams. I remember getting the F-14. The Tomcat, the Sky Striker? Yeah, but I never I never got the aircraft carrier. Okay, so 83 and 86 are off the board. Sean, <laughs> it's back to you. Your turn. Um, how about Atari? How about Atari? Have you played Atari today? 
That was the top toy of 1977. Well done. I had in television though. So that was, I think, oh, even older than Atari. Yeah. This is the part of the game where you start me- don't mention other things. It could give me a clue. Nah. Atari was uh, before in television. Oh, it was? Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was. They were capitalizing on the popularity of Atari for sure. We had an Intellivision as well. We got it for Christmas one year, and it came with uh, Intellivision Baseball. Yes. And yes, I had that. I will go on record and say that Intellivision Baseball <laughs> is the greatest version of video game baseball that's ever been made, in my opinion. <laughs> for the balls, like, beep. Is that beep. is that the only video baseball game you've ever played? <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I, I, yes. I've played others, but I've just enjoyed the, the simplicity, yet yeah. it's still fun to play. Yeah. It was a brilliant game. I love game. that game. Okay, no strikes. Back to you, Jason. Um, let's see. I don't know what I'm going to say now. Um, in television? In television. That is your first no. strike. That was not a top-selling toy for any year during I told Generation you. You're Shauna, me. your strategy of laying an answer out there bait for dangling in, bait and switch. Bait and switch. Well I was done. I going to say it anyway. Game recognizes game. Well done, Shauna. (laughs) So that's one strike for you, Jason. Shauna, back to you. I mean, I have to give a shout out to Barbie, right? The Barbie dream house, the Barbie car. There was all the Barbie. Barbie. So that is not even possible. That's exactly what my wife said when we went over this list. Malibu Barbie. I mean, come on. Right. We did some research into that because we thought it was an oversight. So there's one thing on the list that trumped Barbie specifically, and we'll see if we can get to it. It was from 1982. Okay. We'll see if you get it or not. We did the research and they became a um, the must-have toy previous to 1967. So Barbie Day spent way back into the 50s. So if this list goes back into the 50s, surely Barbie would be on it. But it wasn't the top-selling toy according to the data. Rest in peace, Barbie. So that's a strike for you, Shauna. One strike apiece. Jason. Not so smug anymore, are we? <laughs> um... Star Wars. It is shocking to me that it took this long for you somebody to say Star Wars. Of course, Star Wars, 1978. Star Wars today is the bar by which all other franchises currently aspire. But the movie's initial success in 1977 caught virtually every industry by surprise, including the toy industry. They used an empty box approach where they sold an empty box of the toy with a coupon that kids could mail in later to Kenner, the the manufacturer, with the promise that when the toy became available, they would mail it out to you. That's how popular Star Wars toys were, that they were selling air in a box and kids were still wanting it and begging their parents to buy it. That's nuts. That is nuts. It's Kenner's new Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. The score is tied. Two answers apiece. Shauna, back to you. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to go with My Little Pony. Can you sing the theme song to My Little Pony? I cannot. Okay, we'll cut that out then. My Little Pony... 1982. Well done. Yes, that was so close. That was so close to my birth year. So close. (laughs) Giving Barbie a literal run for her money this year was Hasbro's My Little Pony, a range of small vinyl horses with long, bright, and groomable hair. Each pony also came with an adorable name and a unique emblem tattooed on its backside. Barbie was too classy to get an ass tattoo, and she paid the price for it in sales in 1982. (laughs) They all smelled weird, too. They had, like, a very unique smell. They smelled like vinyl. It was kind of creepy. Ponies stink. (laughs) Combination of ponies and vinyl. Yes, exactly. And happiness, I might add. Magic. Christmas magic. Uh, I've never smelled happiness like that. (laughs) 
My Little Pony, yeah. So Barbie had a big peak in sales in 1982, but it was not enough to give it the, the crown in 1982. So nice. Jason, you have one strike. Back to you. I am going to say Lego. Lego was oh, the top selling God. toy of 1969. 69, Sweet. Nice. Well done, Jason. Derived from two Danish words meaning play well. What began in 1949 as a set of interlocking red and white blocks had become a veritable cultural phenomenon by the late 60s. Lego has always been expensive, but with the most expensive one in 1969 costing around 30 cents per brick, that would be around $2 for a single brick today. So parents in 1969 were really shelling out the cash for that one. Okay, so back to me. I want to go with, this may be, this may not make it, but how about Rubik's Cube? Rubik's Cube! Of course, made it from 1980. Yes. Oh, I just keep hitting every year on my birthday, like literally every year. My gosh, you're such a nerd. The Rubik's Cube. <laughs> Rubik's Cube. Who asked for a Rubik's Cube for Girl Dance? Uh, well, I'll tell you about it. All of us. The puzzle, the Rubik's Cube puzzle, was an instant success after its unveiling, selling 100 million units within the first two years alone. Adjusted for inflation, that would be nearly $1 billion in sales during those two years. So to answer your question, Jason, uh, a whole hell of a lot of people wanted a Rubik's Cube. I had one. nerds. Well, yeah. All the cool people. You're a nerd. Well, let's get those nerds! Nerds! Cool people had Rubik's Cube. Moving on. Jason, Uh what do you got? (laughs) What non-nerd thing you got, buddy? Oh, this whole time I should have been thinking of something. Mm-hmm. Instead of making let's, fun of me. Let's say this is probably a stretch, but He-Man. He-Man. Well oh. done. Shauna, you'll be happy to know that that was the best toy from 1981. <gasps> you got <my> <laughs> Don't laugh too loud, Jason. You just, you got her year of her birth. That means a strike has been removed from her list. That is our gift to you, Shauna, uh-huh. from the judges. Uh-huh. No, I thought that was only into all a good night. The person (laughs) got it. That was their birth year. No, we said that I would get a point taker. If she guesses the toy of your birth, then you will get a strike removed. Well, there's no chance of that happening. Okay. Well, maybe the game is rigged for her favor. You don't know. It sounds like it is. (laughs) I've had issues with the judges before. 1981 (laughs) was the year He-Man and Master of the Universe was created and introduced a series of action figures that could throw punches with the pull and release mechanism. It came to power just in time for Ronald Reagan to deregulate children's advertising and He-Man toys took full advantage of it. So that's no strikes for Shauna. One strike for Jason. Back to you, Shauna. Can you remain strikeless? I want to to keep saying how you have no strikes over and over again, (laughs) just to rub it in on a little bit on Jason. Mm. Yes. We'll just savor that for a moment. Um, I definitely (laughs) cannot leave out one of my all-time favorites, which was Care Bears. I think I had them all. Please tell me Care Bears is on there. Welcome back to having a strike, Shauna. Care Bears did not make the top selling. Well, because the thing that when Care Bears came out, there was a much more popular toy that came out that year. That's how. What was that? I'm not telling you. Oh. Nice try. So that's one strike for you, Shauna. Jason, you also have one strike. Back to you, buddy. What about oh, the Erector set? You mean the pre-World War One toy, the Erector set? Oh, Lord. I'm sorry. That is the second strike for you. Archduke Franz Ferdinand could have played with that toy before he was assassinated. So it was just outside the Gen X timeline. Sorry. I told you he's just really old. <laughs> the hard. data would uh, you know, bear that out. I- I was going to take it easy on you tonight. The old cracks. Let's not talk about old cracks. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> That's okay. two strikes for you, old cracks. Next, we have Shauna, back to you. What do you got? I want to go with Slinky. Slinky, also a toy from like the 50s or 40s. What? That is also a strike. That's your second strike, Shauna. I'm sorry. Slinky was well before the 1967 timeline. I don't have that written down as a fact, but I'm pretty sure I'm correct. They came out with all the cool neon colors in the 80s. I mean, I know they walk downstairs alone and in pairs and make a slinky sound. A slink, a slink, (laughs) a wonderful wonderful toy, Slinky. A slinky, a slinky. It's fun. It's a wonderful toy. A slinky is slinky. It's fun for a girl or a boy. That's brilliant. Thank you. you. Uh, So Jason, here's your situation. You have two strikes. There's tons of answers left. Some iconic ones not said yet. Let's see if you can stay alive or if Shauna draws first blood and gets the power by winning round one or not. Um, Nintendo. Can you be more specific? Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo is correct. That was the top toy of 1991. Oh, the year, the year I graduated. Uh, same year I graduated. Don't want to make assumptions. <laughs> Marking a big step from the NES in essentially every department. However, this time around, the brand faced stiffer competition in the form of competing 32-bit console Sega Genesis. The first major console war had officially begun in 1991. Shauna, you are in a similar situation as your husband was. Two strikes, still tons of answers remaining. What answer are you going to give? I'm going to go with... Light bright, light bright. I don't remember the rest of the song, but light bright. Well done. Yes. Ah. I wanted one of those so bad and I never got one. Oh, R.I.P. Still bitter. Um, Because they were the devil. (laughs) That too. Barely making the list in 1967 was light bright with an original estimated retail of just 10 bucks adjusted for inflation. It would cost $89.23 today. That's a lot for some colored pegs. Why did they ever come out with like light bright battleship? (laughs) You know what? That's not a bad idea. Right. I mean, they had electronic battleship, but like if you put it in, like it glows, like it's like a, yeah, dude, we need to let's talk offline. I think we got an idea. I'd buy that. Yeah. Um, I am going to go, I'm going to say Etch-A-Sketch. That's old. That is indeed old, just like you, Jason. That is an incorrect answer. Yes. That means Shauna. Congratulations. Woo! You won round one. <laughs> and that means you have the power. The power is yours. Well done. I'm awesome. Let me go down the list real quick. Let's go through the evolution of toys here. Okay. 67 was Light Bright, as you said. 68 was Hot Wheels. I was going to say Hot Wheels. Yeah, you should have. Hot Wheels. 69 was Lego. 1970 was the Nerf ball came around. Costing two bucks back then, it would cost over $15 today. That's a a lot for a sponge, I think. 71 was Weebles. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. But they don't fall down. Yeah. 72 was Uno. Uno. 1973, this would have gotten you out of a jam. Shrinky Dinks. Oh, yeah. I never would have got that. What the heck is that? (laughs) Shrinky Dinks. Jason knows all about Shrinky Dinks. Yeah. (laughs) Ooh, I'm not gonna go you there. get these things, you put them in the oven, and they shrink. It was yep. brilliant. 1974, the game Dungeons and Dragons took hold of the world. Oh. 1975, I'm pissed off that this even made the list. This thing's so dumb. Something called The Pet Rock. If you guys remember hearing about The Pet Rock, which was the dumbest thing ever. 1976 was Stretch Armstrong. Oh, I, I had that about written that down. One. Why did you say it? I said Erector Set instead. Oh, boy, that was, a, that was a miscue there. Yeah. 77 was the Atari. 78, Star Wars. 1979, which was not said, was Simon, the game Simon. <gasps> 
Oh, I liked that one. That was a good one. Uh, 1980, Rubik's Cube. 81, He-Man. 82, My Little Pony. 83, Cabbage Patch Kids. 1984, which was not said, was Transformers. Oh, more than meets the eye. 1985, (laughs) I'm surprised this one was not said, Teddy Ruxpin. Oh. I had a really funny joke about Teddy Ruxpin, too, in the fun fact, but we'll never hear it because you guys didn't say it. Teddy Ruxpin. (laughs) Too late. (laughs) 1986, G.I. Joe. 1987, this was a surprise to me, Jenga. Jenga was the top game. Jenga has been around that long? Yeah. 50 million units. Wow. 1988. See, here's Shauna. I really thought you were going to go this way because Jason was talking about Nintendo. 1988 was the original NES. I thought he was handing you an answer, but you went a different way, but you won anyways. Doesn't matter. 1989 was Game Boy. Also a Nintendo Uh, offering that could have been said. That was a huge, yeah. Yep. 1990, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh. TMNT. Yeah. 1992, Super Soaker. And 1993 was the Talk Boy featured in Home Alone 2. Oh, is that Remember the Talk that Boy? Was? That little thing that he, that he was talking, talking into talked and, into and yeah. made pranks on and whatnot. Now you can be as clever as Kevin with Tiger's new Talkboy tape recorder. It even has speed control. Hi, kids. We're home early. <laughs> Hi, kids. We're home early. Tiger's new Talkboy tape recorder comes with audio cassette. Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. The judges are the gatekeepers of all things Gen X here on the show. And to that end, they are requesting to know from our contestants about their Gen X credentials. Remember, you don't necessarily have to be a Gen Xer to still own some credentials. That is, apart from being born between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to claim yourself as part of Generation X and what might potentially disqualify you from being Gen X? Please welcome to the show, Shauna. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and please include your Gen X qualifiers and potential disqualifiers. I think I can name one for you if you get stuck. Let me see your identification. Oh, I'm wounded. Well, my name is Shauna and I am a manager of project management, but previously I was principal of a school. So stay in line. I would say that my Gen X credentials are, there's a front and a back side to my card. The front side is that my entire bedroom growing up was in Holly Hobby. Does that ring any bells for anyone? And the back side of my credential card is going to be that the first movie I saw in the theater was E.T. So, yes, my disqualifier is that depending on what source you go to, I was born in 81. And so I'm just right on the cusp, but I will not willingly join the millennials. So (laughs) I'll help you save Generation X. I feel the conflict within you. Let go of your hate. All right. We'll take you, Shauna. Thanks. You got some Holly Hobby street credit in you. That's that's good (laughs) enough for us for right now. Absolutely. Judges, is that cool? All right. Word. Please welcome back to the show, Jason. Please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and please give your Gen X qualifiers and potential disqualifiers. We don't need to see his identification. Hey, I'm Jason. I'm happy to be back on the show. Gen X qualifiers. I mean, if we're talking about bedrooms, mine had that cowboy and Indian uh, wallpaper and uh, shag carpet. Okay, shag carpet. So, we'll go with that. Okay. Um, if that's not a Gen X qualifier, then I spent the majority of my childhood outdoors. So um, the only, I don't think there's anything that could disqualify me from being Generation X since I'm so old. As my wife has reminded me several times already in this game. You can't think of anything that would keep you from being a Gen X? Well, I mean, I didn't ask for a Rubik's Cube for Christmas. There you go. There. (laughs) Anyone who lived through 1980 and did not ask for a Rubik's Cube, I I think that's a disqualifier. When I did get one, I didn't try to solve it. I just took it apart and put it back together the right way. (laughs) See, you got a Gen X disqualifier for not having one, and now you get a Gen X qualifier 
for not being able to do it and actually taking it apart and redoing the, the thing manually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> Judges, do these contestants have the proper credentials to continue being on the show? Yes. All right. You guys can continue. Well done. Before we start round two, let's take another quick listen to The Power Struggle. No more drummers who rat a tat tat. No buglers who root a toot toot. Don't let me see another toy or you will feel my boot. Not a finger! Well, sir, someday I'd like to be a, a dentist. Any of those ringing a bell, guys? All but number gotta, five. Uh, I've only got a couple so far. Okay, we'll listen to it one more time before we ask for the answer. See if you can come up with it then. Round two. Round two is a game we call Eight is Enough. Oh, eight is enough. In this game, I'll ask a total of eight questions, four to each of our contestants. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one pity point for a partial correct answer. At any time, players can appeal the judges to make a ruling for a partial correct answer and try to make their case through loud arguments and throwing things. Players take turns answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point. But more importantly, a steal also takes the power away from their opponent. The judges require that all questions must be given an answer, no matter how incorrect it might be. So if you say, I don't know, here on the show, you will lose a point and get slimed. The player with the most points at the end of round two will take a secret trip to the prize vault and choose the prize that the two of you will be playing for in round three. However, the player who has the power at the end of round two will go first in round three, which is a huge advantage. Let's get a scoring update before we start round two. We have a tie game. Five points each to Shauna and Jason, but Shauna has the power. So it is not the slaughter that Shauna said it was going to be. All right. We're all even going into round two. Thanks for that scoring update, Robin. So Shauna has the power and you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be, it came with a packages, boxes, or bags, which is a television question. Or will it be, it's Christmas time, Theo. It's a time for miracles, which is a movie question. Um, I'll go with the first question, please. Okay. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. Long before the days of Benedict Cumberbatch and Jim Carrey movies, we had the half-hour TV special of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. A simple and faithful retelling of Dr. Seuss's anti-materialistic Christmas story, this animated special brought to life to the classic tale that made the Grinch a household holiday icon. The song You're a Ween... You're a Ween one. The song You're a Mean One, (laughs) Mr. Grinch, remains a popular Christmas song to this day, and with lyrics by Dr. Seuss himself, How could it not be? Here's the question. In one of the verses, the singer says, I wouldn't touch you with a dot, dot, dot. What is the next lyric to that song? This is a multiple choice. Is it a 29 and a half foot pole? B 39 and a half foot pole. C 59 and a half foot pole. Or is it D 69 and a half foot pole? 69 dudes. This is the part where you answer. I know I'm thinking. <laughs> I was really hoping he was going to say 79 and a half foot pole because that's what I had in my head. Um, we'll be glad I didn't because that's right? wrong. <laughs> I wouldn't touch you with the 29 and a half foot pole. I'm sorry. That is uh, incorrect, Shauna. Jason, can you steal this, get a point and steal the power? Yes. Uh, yes, uh, I can. 
Um, that would be a 39 and a half foot pole. That is correct. Well done, Jason. You got a point and you stole the power. How the Grinch Stole Christmas was famously narrated and largely voiced by the iconic horror actor Boris Karloff. But the song You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch was sung by a lesser known voice actor and bass singer Thurl Ravenscroft. Because Ravenscroft wasn't listed in the end credits, it became a common misconception that Karloff also did the singing. When Dr. Seuss realized that this was the case, he called Ravenscroft personally to apologize and wrote editorials in several major newspapers to try and make sure Ravenscroft was given the proper credit. Dr. Seuss was a class act indeed. R.I.P. I wouldn't touch you with a 69 and a half foot pole. Jason, this question's for you. See if you can take a big lead in this game if you get it correct. It's called It's Christmas Time, Theo. It's a time for miracles. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Question mark. We'll let your faith decide. But indisputably, this movie does take place on the night before Christmas. When NYPD Detective John McClane arrives in L.A. on Christmas Eve, he is expecting to get together with his family and share a few laughs. He is not expecting to have to stop terrorists and face off with the villainous Hans Gruber, which explains why he doesn't have a problem taking his shoes off at his wife's office Christmas party. But here's the question. What prompted him to do this in the first place? This is not a multiple choice. This is the part um, where you say your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Uh, this is the part where you make it multiple choice. You know, I I can't say. You've seen the movie Die Hard. Oh, yeah, I have. How many times have you seen it? I just want to I, rub it in when you get it wrong. Less than five. Oh, okay. Because, and it's not a Christmas movie. Blasphemer! <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's on the Christmas was, episode podcast. How could it not be? I know it was it was Nakatomi Plaza. Okay. And you want to tell I me any Hans other Gruber answers to was, questions I'm not asking? <laughs> um, did he take his shoes off so that he made less noise? That is yeah. incorrect, Jason. I'm sorry. Shauna, can you steal this and steal the power back? Did Do he it. take his shoes off because they were uncomfortable? Can you be more specific? They were hurting him. Not quite the specificity we were looking for, if that's the right word. No, that is incorrect. He takes his shoes off because a man sitting next to him on the plane tells him. You want to know the secret to surviving air travel? After you get where you're going, take off your shoes and your socks. Then you walk around on the rug barefoot and make fists with your toes. Fists with your toes. <laughs> John McClane tries this while he's waiting for Holly. And that's why he takes his shoes off. Because some rando dude sitting next to him on the plane told him to do it as a suggestion to relax him after he gets where he's going on his flight. This movie kicked off the legendary Alan Rickman's Hollywood career and cemented him as one of the best villain actors of all time. What a legend. Have you guys ever tried this? Ever tried this trick when traveling? Uh, Take your shoes no. off and like make fists with your toes in the carpet? Do you no. know what is in the carpet of places <laughs> where you go? That is not To travel, identic. yeah. Yeah, it may not be the most sanitary thing to do, but <laughs> I do this every time I travel. <laughs> And it's not because I think it'll help me, but because it makes me happy to imitate this movie. I get to say the line, this with your toes. This with your toes. Moving on. So now Jason has the power. You have a three point lead, Jason, and you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be, you'll shoot your eye out, kid, which is a movie question. Although it may not be the movie that you're thinking about. Or will it be, you there, Muppet, what day is this? Which is also a movie question. And that is the movie you're thinking about. I'll take the Muppet question. Really? You didn't go with the Christmas story question? I'm surprised. Well, you talked me out of it. And you fell for it. This question is <laughs> called Or maybe there. I didn't. 
We'll see. You there, Muppet. What day is this? A movie question. The Muppet Christmas Carol represented a lot of firsts. It was the first Muppet movie made after the death of Jim Henson, as well as the first to have Disney involvement in the production. It was also the directorial debut of Henson's son, Brian. These things could have cast a shadow over the whole movie, but The Muppet Christmas Carol was a success and a lovely retelling of the Dickens classic with all the heart and irreverence that the Muppets always bring. In the movie, many secondary characters from the book are replaced with Muppets in their role. Jacob Marley is bifurcated into two characters in order to feature the iconic Muppet duo of Statler and Waldorf. Statler is Jacob Marley, but what is the name of Jacob Marley's brother played by Waldorf in the movie? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, Bert Marley, B, Ernie Marley, C, Robert Marley, or is it D, Bob Marley? Man, that is a tough question, but tough I am going to go... I'm going to go with C, Robert Marley. Robert Marley is correct. Well done. I mean, I, you, you know, the more I thought about Bert and Ernie. And then, Bert, Ernie, know, and course, Bob Marley didn't quite. Uh, well, Robert and Bob are kind of the same thing. You would have been able to have a good <laughs> argument with the, with the judges. <laughs> I'm just shocked that Jason didn't launch the whole heat wave. This is my island in the sun. Come on. <laughs> It was like the perfect I opportunity. I love read. that movie. That's one of my favorite <laughs> retellings of A Christmas Carol. Statler and Waldorf play Jacob and Robert Marley, brothers instead of the singular character of Jacob from the book. When Sir Michael Caine was cast as Ebenezer Scrooge, he told Brian Henson that he intended to play the character dramatically and serious, as if there weren't Muppet hijinks happening all around him. Brian Henson loved it and replied, yes, bang on. Here's a fun fact about Michael Caine. If you say Michael Caine out loud, you sound like Michael Caine saying his name, Michael Caine, with his accent. Michael Caine. <laughs> One more time. Michael Caine. Exactly. So that's two more points for you, Jason, and you retain the power. Shauna, here's your question. It's called, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. This is a little bit of strategy on my part, because I'm pretty sure that I'm going to know the answer to this question. And if I got the other question right that I chose, I'm going to pick up two, two right questions. That's the strategy of a veteran player on Who Will Save Generation Next podcast. Well done. But Shauna, play spoiler here. I said that this may not be the movie that you're thinking of. Uh, but, it but it is a Christmas story <laughs> premiered in 1983 and became an instant holiday classic in North America. It was one of the first times a story was narrated by an off-screen older version of the main character. And this method would go on to shape American sitcoms like The Wonder Years and How I Met Your Mother for years to come. A Christmas story focused on Ralphie, a young boy growing up in the Midwest. Here's the question. What does Ralphie want for Christmas more than anything in the world? A Red Ryder BB gun. That is correct. What what what's what was the real question? That is the real question. However, I was adding on, please be detailed in your answer. The official answer has 24 words in it. Yeah. But the judges will settle for just five. Loud arguments might be forthcoming. Shauna, could you say five answers in the official answer? A red rider BP gun. <laughs> hey, you just said five words. I, I did. Judges, we can allow it. We're going to allow it. Wow. Shana. Sarcasm rules the day. We're going to allow it. Softball. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. The official answer is a Red Rider carbon action 200 shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and it's this thing that tells this time. This thing that tells time. Yeah. Ralphie wants the Red Rider BB gun for Christmas. But to his dismay, all the adults in his life, including Mall Santa, all respond to his wish with the same refrain, which is, You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Ralphie is played by Peter Billingsley, an actor and producer in Hollywood. Here's the fun fact. 
both Sean Astin and Will Wheaton both were considered for the role of Ralphie before it was given to Billingsley. Now, if the official answer did not sound familiar to you, then maybe this will ring a bell. <clears throat> I want an official Red Rider carbon action 200 shot rate battle model with a compass and a stock and a thing with tell sign. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Pretty spot on. That was fantastic. I knew it would make you laugh, Jason. That's why I did <laughs> But I'm surprised that Will Wheaton was uh, one of the people <laughs> that was possibly going to play. He was a hot I young didn't... actor around that time. Wasn't he like Star Trek? Yeah, yes, Will he Wheaton. was Star Trek. He played Wesley. Shut <laughs> up, Wesley. <laughs> Robin, what's the score? A total of seven for Shauna and eight for Jason. Jason has the power. My strategy backfired. <sighs> That's okay. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Jason has the power. You have the power, Jason. So you're in control and you can pick between these two questions. Will it be, I'm getting too old for this season, which is a movie question. Or will it be Rocky single-handedly ends the cold war, which is a, do I feel lucky category? Do I feel lucky is a new special kind of category that we are debuting on this episode. There are time in our lives when we lose track of things and all this excitement. And that's when he's got to stop and remember what Clint Eastwood taught us. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? This category means that the question about to be asked is either incredibly hard or super easy. Your destiny is in your own hands, depending on how lucky you feel, punk. So what's it going to be, Jason? You feel lucky, punk? So is it going to be Rocky single-handedly ends the Cold War, which is the do you feel lucky question? Or is it be I'm getting too old for this season, which is a movie question? Let's go with the Rocky. Rocky question. I'm, I'm pretty confident in both. but You picking this means that either you're being very nice to your wife by saying, if it's hard, I don't want to give you a hard question. Impossible question. It's crossed my mind. Or if you think, oh, I think it's going to be super easy and I don't want to give her an easy question. What's your mindset going into this? My mindset is that it could be extremely hard and she wouldn't get it. Okay, that's the, uh, that's the right answer to she, get. Even Quit if while she your did, head, Jason. <laughs> even if she did get it, I seriously doubt she'd know the answer to the other question. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I could be wrong. Here's our debut of Do I Feel Lucky? The Do I Feel Lucky question this episode is simply... In the movie Rocky Four, what was the date that the fight between Rocky and Ivan Drago takes place in in the Soviet Union? Day and month will work fine for this answer. Um, it was on Christmas, December 25th. Super easy, right? I mean, it's a Christmas episode. What other date would it be? Yeah, I remember because it was like a big thing for him to go away at Christmas and they couldn't go with him and all that. Well done, Jason. That's two more points for you. Let's hear the, let's hear the fun fact. Rocky, Polly, Dutch, and Adrian all travel to the Soviet Union for the big fight at the end of the movie. After Rocky punches his way to ending the Cold War with Russia, he wishes his kid a Merry Christmas back home via TV broadcast. I just want to say one thing to my kid who should be home sleeping. Merry Christmas, kid! I've always wondered, with Rocky, Polly, Dutch, and Adrian all in Russia for Christmas, who's watching Rocky Jr. back home? I watched it again right before this episode and realized that they must have let Polly's AI sex robot spend Christmas with the kid. Oh, make no mistake, Polly was nailing that robot every chance he got, no question about it. What the hell is that? That's my girl. Thanks, you're welcome. You're the greatest. See you, sport. See you. She loves me. Oh. Don't worry. I'll clean it up for you, Bully. This next question is for you, Shauna. It's called, I'm getting too old for this season, which is a movie question. 
Sorry. Jason, you're jingling. That's what the sound is. You're the one jingling. Stop jingling. I'm jingling. I don't have anything on the jingles. I was you gonna like that say, one, Jason? I was gonna say the robot, but I wasn't gonna go that far with it. Total sex bot. Shauna, this question's for you. It's called I'm getting too old for this season. It's a movie question. Lethal Weapon is possibly the quintessential buddy cop movie, inspiring three sequels. The first Lethal Weapon took the talents of Donald Glover, Mel Gibson, and Shane Black and combined it into something really spectacular. Lethal Weapon is action-packed, quotable, funny, and even deep. Riggs' journey from the depths of despair and misery back into something who feels hope again is inspiring, and his chemistry with Murtaugh is something else. Our duo is thrown together when Michael Huntsacker an old friend of Murtaugh's reaches out for help for his daughter who has found herself in the world of sex work. However, she dies before Murtaugh and Riggs are able to find her. Spoiler alert. Here's the question. How did Huntsacker and Murtaugh know each other? You have a very blank look on your face right now. I have a multiple choice answers for you. Let's see if you can get it. Have you seen the movie Lethal Weapon? No. Okay. This will be fun then. Is it A, they went to school together? B, they were related through marriage? C, they were childhood neighbors, or is it D, they served in Vietnam together? I feel like every action movie has to have an old army buddy or something, so let's go with um, answer D. Nailed it. Two more points for you, Shauna. Well done. And men say that Hallmark movies are formulaic. I'm just saying <laughs> action movies created the template right there. Right, but these are the OG ones. These are the originators oh, yeah. of these templates. So we can't yeah. throw too many rocks at them. <laughs> they served in Vietnam together is the correct answer. Like Die Hard, Lethal Weapon is an action movie that isn't necessarily about Christmas, though it does take place during the holiday season. To help with filming, Hollywood officials put up the city's traditional Christmas decorations in October that year, of course, for a fee. Since this benefited both the production studios and the Chamber of Commerce, L.A. simply rolled with it and started the holiday festivities early. I think we have found the origin of why people like to put up Christmas decorations before Halloween even happens. And I think we got to blame Lethal Weapon for it. I'm sorry. I just talked about throwing rocks. I'm throwing a rock right there. I suppose we have to register you as a Lethal Weapon. I think that's reasonable. It's all Mel Gibson's fault. Judges? Okay. Most so, everything has its fault. <laughs> Do you really want to jump? Do you want to? Well, then that's fine with me. Come on, let's do it. Here we go into the last two questions. Robin, the score? Shauna has nine and Jason has 10. Jason still has the power. One point separates you going into the final question. Jason, you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be Gen X Frosty the Snowman, which is a TV cartoon movie? Or will it be Cinema Soundcheck, which is a head-to-head challenge? Let's do cinema sound check. For this question, I will give you the titles of tracks for a musical score of a popular movie from Generation X, and you need to tell me the title of the movie that it's from. Movie scores are usually instrumentals with obscure titles that should give you the hints you need to name the movie. We will go back and forth between each player who will give me a new movie title with each turn. Two points will be awarded to the player that gets it correct on their turn. So here's the clues. IMDb lists this film as a comedy drama fantasy movie. Interesting to be on a Christmas episode of podcast. It was released in 1988 and it was rated PG-13. Song number one is for you, Jason. And it was titled Terrorist Attack. Terrorist Attack. 1988. Die Hard. Gen X math tells us that terrorist plus Christmas equals Die Hard. However, they were counting on that and they put this one in here just to trip you up. 
Sorry, Jason. Good guess, but you fell for it. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. That is incorrect. <laughs> Shauna, this next one's for you. Song two is called Ghost on Screen. So we have Ghost on Screen and Terrorist Attack. What movie is that from Generation X? Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> Not a lot of terrorist attack happen in Muppet's <laughs> Christmas Carol. It would be, be an awesome addition. Maybe in the a, outtakes. There was a talking rat running around. <laughs> Jason, this one's back to you. Song three. It's called Lose Arrival. Lose Arrival. Ghosts on screen. Terrorist attack. Oh. Um, Scrooged. Scrooged is absolutely correct. Well done. Nice pull. That's two more points for you. That was impressive. Most impressive. I think most most of my clue came from the second the second song. Ghost on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's read all the all eight song titles. See where you would have gotten it, listeners. Song one, terrorist attack. Two was ghost on screen. Three, lose arrival. Song four was Frank's promo. Song five, Elliot gets fired. Song six, Showtime at IDC. Song seven was the big speech. And if you didn't get it by then, song eight was. Put a little love in your heart. Good advice for all of us. Here's the fun fact about the movie Scrooged. The movie features the solid gold dancer's final performance in the telecast within the movie. One of A Christmas Carol's selling points is that it will feature the solid gold dancers as the Scroogettes. The movie would mark the small screen dance group's final aired performance as solid gold. The television series had been canceled back in July earlier that year. And then there'll be a sound clip about nipples right there. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> but this is a Christmas show. Well, Charles Dickens would have wanted to see her nipples then. You can, uh, you can hardly see them nipples. See, and these guys are really looking. So, Shauna, you're not going to be able to catch them in points for round two. However, you can still get some points to your total. Remember, it's the total at the very end of the whole game that will determine the winner. This question is called Gen X Frosty the Snowman. It is a TV cartoon question. Frosty the Snowman is a 1969 animated Christmas television special produced by the legendary Rankin Bass Productions. The special story follows a group of school children who build a snowman called Frosty and place a magician's hat on its head, which makes him come to life. But after noticing the high temperatures and fearing that he would melt, Frosty, along with a young girl named Karen and a rabbit named Hocus Pocus, must move Frosty to the North Pole to be safe from melting. Frosty is a catchphrase that he says each time the hat is placed on his head and he comes to life. What does Frosty say when he becomes as alive as he can be? Each time they put the magic hat on his head, he says something. It's a phrase that you've heard a million, well, maybe not a million times. Jason's heard a million times. You not so much. Um, What's the catchphrase? Magic. Judges, is that close enough? No. Nobody's Aww. called Jason magic. Uh, <laughs> Jason, can you steal this one? Um. Is it yippee Kaye, mother? Oh, yippee Kaye, um, Mr. Falcon. Is it where's the beef? A little closer, but that's also incorrect. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, Wesley. <laughs> Here's what he says. Happy birthday. Remember that? Remember that? Happy cartoon? birthday? He says happy birthday. No, nobody. No. Okay. What were these people on when they produced this show? <laughs> it was the 60s. The special first aired on December 7th, 1969. We are recording this episode on December 7th, 2022, which makes this Frosty's actual birthday going by the logic of the show. This would mean Frosty turns 53 today. And it also mean that Frosty the Snowman is a Gen Xer. We get Frosty on our team, everyone. 
No one's excited by that? No? Okay, never mind. I, I think Olaf is funnier. Hey, bite your tongue. <laughs> Team Frosty. <laughs> Total Team Frosty. So this is for you, Gen X Frosty. Happy birthday! It is also the birthday of my nephew, Garrett. So happy birthday to you too, Garrett. We love you and we miss you. Okay, moving on. All right, buddy. Um, sorry. You need a minute? No, I'm okay. I didn't think that would hit me. <laughs> I'm yeah. okay. Yeah, if you've listened to the episode with my sister, uh, my nephew Garrett, he 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 went out like Prince. He uh, he he took some drugs that was uh, had some fentanyl on it, and um, and his body wasn't accustomed to that, and he uh, he he died of uh, the fentanyl. So that's the that's the rough the rough gig of that one. But if you're gonna go yeah. out, go out like Prince. That's that's you're in some good company <laughs> there, I guess. <laughs> but in seriousness, don't do drugs, kids. Yeah, just say no. That was a great episode, by the way, with Colleen. Yeah, she's she was great. It's pretty sweet. So that means that uh, what's the score update, uh, Robin? Shauna has nine, and Jason has twelve points, 12 and points. he retained the power. Except that Robin is not my favorite, so now it's thirteen to twelve. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> yes, correct. Uh, nice try, <laughs> judges. Jason, you have the most points at the end of round two. Congratulations, Jason, for winning round two. We will banish your opponent into the phantom zone. And you and I will take a secret trip to the prize vault where you are going to select the prize that the two of you will be playing for in the final round. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Smurfs Christmas Special will return after these messages. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and subscribing for future episodes. 
The only way a show like this gets anywhere in the podcasting world is by positive reviews and word of mouth among friends. So if you're inclined, please help spread the word about the podcast and share it with that special Gen Xer in your life. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much. We now return to the Smurfs Christmas special. Donna, welcome back from the Phantom Zone. Before we start round three, now is the last chance to solve the power struggle question, to steal the power and go first in round three. Remember, you need to name what the clip is from and in the correct order. Jason has the power. So Shauna, why don't you give it a try and see if you can get this last chance to steal the power. Let's listen to it one last time. No more drummers who ratted tat tat. No buglers who rooted toot toot. Don't let me see another toy or you will feel my boot. Not a finger! Well, sir, someday I'd like to be a, a dentist. Hey, Shauna, one through five, let her rip. Number one is peanuts, for sure. Number two is... Wesley. Three, coincidentally, is also Wesley, followed closely by four and five, Wesley the fourth and Wesley the fifth. Judges? So close, Shauna. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, that is incorrect. That means we turn this over to listeners to see if they can get it correct and claim the prize package. Good luck, listeners. The prize package this episode includes a handsome certificate with your name on it, signifying that you are doing your part to save Generation X from fading into oblivion, as well as your name going up in our Gen X yearbook on our brand new website. Next is perhaps the best item in the prize package. We'll send you your very own copy of the Star Wars Holiday Special. You'll be able to enjoy these sweet, sweet sounds of Wookiees arguing about washing the dishes for the first 10 minutes of the show in the comfort of your own home. And finally, we'll send you your choice of any Who Will Save Generation X t-shirt design from our merch store. To enter for a chance to claim that generous prize package, you can join our newsletter and there will be a place for you to send in your answers. Details on how to join the newsletter can be found in the show notes for this episode or by visiting our website at whowillsavegenx.com. Good luck. Let's go to round three. Round three. Round three is a prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, I will ask the same five survey questions, Family Feud style, to each player in turn, and they will need to respond with what they think is the most popular responses from the Generation X timeline, the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via our newsletter. The player who has the power, that's you, Jason, gets to go first, with player two unable to hear their responses. Player two will then have to give responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of their answers. Whoever ends up with the most points wins the game and goes on to claim their chance at the prize that the winner of round two selected in secret. If you'd like to take part in the Dysfunctional Family Feud surveys, sign up for our newsletter today, and it will include a spot for you to reply to upcoming surveys and get your answers on the show. Let's play Dysfunctional Family Feud. Jason has the power. That means he gets to go first, and that means, Shauna, I got to banish you back to the Phantom Zone. Jason, you will get five seconds to answer each question on the survey. If you get stuck, say pass, and we'll come back around to that question if there's time. Remember to filter all your answers from what a Gen Xer would say and choose what you think would be the most popular responses and not just what your personal favorite things are. Your time will begin after I finish reading. 
the first question. While out shopping, what Christmas song playing in the store makes you want to ditch your cart and leave? All I want for Christmas is you. Yes, but what's your answer, Jason? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, yeah. I'm spoken for. I got a wife and everything, but I'm very flattered. <laughs> what Christmas TV special did you always look forward to watching every year? Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Due to safety concerns, the way we decorated for Christmas has changed over the years. What band Christmas decoration do you wish would come back? Candles. That is probably going to be really low on the list. You want me to tell you now or uh, let it be no, a suspenseful moment? Okay. I'll wait. Because you're right. As kids, <laughs> we would let our parents know what we wanted for Christmas by circling items in Christmas catalogs that came in the mail. What company's catalog did you look forward to every year? Sears. And finally, what was the best Christmas movie you saw in the theater? Ooh. Running out of time. Pass. Okay, let's go back to the one you passed on. What was the best Christmas movie that you saw in the theater? Christmas Vacation. Let's welcome Shauna back from the Phantom Zone. Shauna, I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions I asked Jason. You may not duplicate any of his answers. If you do, you'll hear this sound, and I'll ask you for a different answer. It's a little more difficult, so we're going to give you two passes. Pro tip, make sure you use your passes. Jason did very well in his survey, but I think there's enough points left on the board for you to win. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. The suspense is killing me. While out shopping, what Christmas song playing in the store makes you want to ditch your cart and leave? Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas is you. Try again. <laughs> oh, Santa baby. Gotta be Santa baby. What Christmas TV special did you always look forward to watching every year? Charlie Brown Christmas. Try again. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Due to safety concerns, the way we decorate for Christmas has changed over the years. What band Christmas decoration do you wish could make a comeback? Bubble Lights. As kids, we would let our parents know what we wanted for Christmas by circling items in Christmas catalogs that came in the mail. What company's catalog do you look forward to every year? Sears. Try again. Service merchandise. <laughs> wow. What was the best Christmas movie that you saw in the theater? Home Alone. Let's go to the scores. I asked you, while out shopping, what Christmas song playing in the store makes you want to ditch your cart and leave? Shauna, you gave us Santa Baby, which scores you 10 points. Well done. Yay. Jason, you said the very Gen X song, All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Oh. But was still the number one. Still the number one answer. Still the number one answer with giving you 30 we points. We just, we hate it. We That's hate it forever. That's how much people hate that song is that they were willing to break every rule just to let the world know that we hate that song. Hey, it's what unites the generations here, Zane. <laughs> it's one thing we can all agree on. Mutual hatred of Brian Carey. We get information for these surveys via our newsletter, and we get some interesting replies. I'm not going to lie. So I'd like to give some honorable mentions to some of these entertaining answers. Honorable mention goes to the people who responded with, I love all Christmas music, followed by those who said, I hate all Christmas music. There are two votes for something called Dominic the Donkey. I don't know I'm familiar with that song, but apparently it exists. And finally, shout out to the one person who said, we are the world as their Christmas song that they don't like to hear played that, while that's, shopping. That's a great answer. Yeah, because it's played <laughs> a lot while it. shopping, eh? I especially considered during it. Christmas. <laughs> Shauna, you began the game with nine points. That 
brings you to a score of 19. Jason, you began with 12 and your 30 extra points brings you to 42. Question two, what Christmas TV special did you always look forward to watching every year? Shauna, you gave us Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer for 33 points. Well done. That was the number two answer. Jason, you gave us the number one answer with a Charlie Brown Christmas. Well done. That was worth 35 points. The score is now Jason 77, Shauna behind a little with 52. Honorable mentions go to the votes for the Shauna Na Christmas special. I have a namesake Christmas special. What? No, Shauna Na. Only if someone's stuttering do you have a Christmas special named after yeah. you, Shauna. <laughs> there was one liar out there who said the California Raisin special was their favorite one to go watch every year. Oh my gosh, how old was that person? <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody like, come on. The person who does not own a calendar said Rudolph's Shiny New Year is the Christmas special they always like to watch. And of course, there is a blind and deaf person who replied with the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> Question three, due to safety concerns, the way we decorate for Christmas has changed over the years. What band Christmas decorations do you wish would come back? Shauna, you gave us bubble lights for an, another 34 points to your total. Well done. That was the number two answer. Jason, you gave us a less popular answer with candles, which only scored you 10 points. Are you so from like 1910, honey? <laughs> uh. You know, electricity. If there mm -hmm. was one decoration to ban, that was definitely a lit flame on your dried up Christmas tree. I think the world did a good job canceling candles as a thing <laughs> on Christmas trees. Honorable mention goes to the vote for ornaments so low that the cat can play with them. They banned those. The creative answer of lawn darts. There was one <laughs> vote for meth to be on their Christmas tree. I think that was a good thing to ban. And finally, shout out to the person who replied with, how should I know I'm Jewish? That's fair. That's fair. Totally fair. So the score is now, it's a tight game. Jason with 87, Shauna with 86. One point separates you as you go to the next question. As kids, we would let our parents know what we wanted for Christmas by circling items in the Christmas catalog that came in the mail. Which company's catalog do you look forward to every year? Shauna, you gave us the very popular service merchandise, which only scored you five points. In fairness, you tried to give us the number one answer, but Jason beat you to it because he had the power, which was Sears, giving a overwhelmingly 50 points, bringing the score Jason 137, Shauna 91. It's not over yet, though, Shauna. There's still one question left. So what I'm saying is anything can still happen. Shout out to the one who voted for High Times Catalog, two <laughs> votes for the Victoria's Secret Catalog. <laughs> something called finger hut got two votes i don't know what that is but the biggest shout out goes to people who said argos after googling it i found out it is a store in the uk so it's nice to know our two british listeners are still hanging in there with the show i'm still waiting to hear back from one of them to see how they're enjoying the uh, podcast we are the keepers of the sacred words peng and niwom and it all comes down to what was the best Christmas movie you saw in the theater. Jason, you gave us the number three answer with Christmas Vacation, scoring you 20 more points, bringing you to a grand total of 157 points. Anything over 100 is very impressive. Let's see if Shauna's answer can beat it. Shauna, you gave us Home Alone. You need 56 points to win. Let's see if it's enough. What did Gen X say? Survey said... I'm sorry, it's only worth... These go to 11. 11 points, bringing you to a total of 102. That means, Jason, you're the winner, and you're doing your part to save Generation X. Congratulations! Yay, me! Applause, applause, applause. <laughs>
but you scored over a hundred. You got over a hundred, Shauna. So that's a, that's uh, a moral victory, at least. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> now you did really well. Unfortunately, Shauna, that means you lost this episode. I'm sorry, things just didn't go the, your way that maybe you're hoping for. Hey. But did you have a good time on the show? Absolutely. It was Christmas magic. <laughs> the number one answer for the movie was Die Hard, of course. Gen oh, Xers God. would, they flocked to that answer as the number one. Not a Christmas movie. I'm alone, it's better. <laughs> Some bitterness in the studio all of a sudden. <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Island of Misfit Toys is better. This bickering is pointless. So honorable mentions for the last questions go to White Christmas, despite the fact that it came out in 1954. There were votes for E.T., Lord of the Rings, and Rogue One from people that did not understand how time works. We had one vote for the feel-good Christmas film of Less Than Zero. But because this survey was uh, made from Gen Xers, we had the one vote for a film called Backdoor Santa. Do you like movies about gladiators? I quickly had to clear my browser history after Googling that one. No mental images. <laughs> ho, 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 indeed. <laughs> for winning the game, I offer a chance of a prize by me placing bids on my eBay watch list on the winner's behalf. I will place multiple bids on the listing chosen in secret by Jason until I'm the high bidder. If that bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I will buy that item for Jason and have it shipped out to you. Good luck. Let's take a look at all the prizes Jason had to choose from, and then we'll let him reveal what was chosen. The first item in the prize vault is... As is show tradition, we have Garbage Pail Kids cards, Basin Jason, featuring a hard-to-flush Jason in the toilet. And since there were no Garbage Pail Kids Shaunas in the collection, we have a Garbage Pail Kid Shadowy Sean. You just have to insert the A with like a Sharpie or something and make it a little <laughs> bit more personal. Classy. Right, did my best. Next will surely become a treasured family heirloom for many holidays to come. If you pick this one, it is an item from A Christmas Story. It is a three-inch figurine of Flick sticking his tongue to a frozen pole. For his triple dog dare. The detail on this sculpture is beautiful. The next listing is from Germany and was written completely in German. Most likely this listing is for a poster from Rocky IV that features Rocky punching the communism right out of Drago. The size is 15 by 10 centimeters, but because I went to a public high school in the 80s, I have no idea how big that is. <laughs> Thanks for the giggle. Like a stamp? <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have a true Frosty the Snowman item. It is a pack of playing cards that includes a card game with Frosty the Snowman theme. The only problem is that the instructions are all written in French, so it might make things a little bit more interesting. Everybody gives up when playing yeah, the game are all the, Are all the cards just white? <laughs> Would they all surrender? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, right. <laughs> I think we have one French listener, so maybe we have to add them to the European <laughs> listeners that need to get back to the show to say whether we're offending them or not. Next is an action figure of Boba Fett from the Star Wars Holiday Special. If you remember, there was an animated bit in that special, and it was the first ever appearance of Boba Fett. So he's decked out in his off colors that we know Boba Fett today, and he has some weird like bident spear thingy, and uh, it's all complete. It's a pretty cool little action figure. Next, we have a Christmas Story leg lamp, Nightlight. You can plug this in and it's the, uh, what's that? Electric sex is out the line for the movie. The leg with fishnet stockings, the iconic symbol of the movie. That could be yours if you pick this one. Another option of the family heirloom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next is another A Christmas Story item. It's a four pack of Christmas ornaments from A Christmas Story. There's one of Ralphie's broken glasses, one representing Randy saying, I can't put my arms down. He's in that outfit. One of Ralph in the pink bunny outfit. And finally, there's one that's a hat that has the Star of David on it for some reason. And nothing says Christmas quite like hanging a Star of David on your Christmas tree. 
And finally, we have a handmade custom diehard Bruce Willis Christmas ornament of the scene of John McClane crawling through an air duct holding his Zippo lighter. The lighter pictured is equipped with an LED light that actually lights up. It is a true work of art. Jason, please reveal what you picked and why. I picked the Boba Fett action figure just because I think it's pretty cool. It's super cool. There's a bidding war already going on. There's three bids on it already. This one could cost me. Let's see. Let's bid this sucker up. That didn't do it. (laughs) Bidding again. That didn't do it. Bidding again. So you had to pick the thing that's like a collector's item and like hard to find, huh? Bidding again. Bidding again. Bidding again. We are the high bidder at $10.51 with $5.50 shipping. Congratulations. If this bid holds up, I'll buy this item for you and send it out to you as your prize. Thanks so much, Jason. Hey, you'll get at least one Christmas gift this year. Hooray. Oh, no, I'm not going to get this. Anything can still happen is what we're saying. Yes. Hey guys, is there anything you'd like to shout out or anything you'd like to plug here on the show? Yeah, I would love to give a shout out to an organization that is really close to our heart. It is Deaconess Pregnancy and Adoption out of Oklahoma City. It's an agency that works with moms who would like to be able to get the support that they need. And also it helps adoptive families be able to partner with birth moms and have open adoptions. And it has been around since 1900. So it's a very old organization and it has a great reputation in the state of Oklahoma. Sounds like a very worthy cause. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Thanks so much for having me. I had a blast for everybody who's thinking about doing it. You should absolutely do it. It's so much fun. And to our two-time champion, Jason, thanks for being on the show. Is there anything you'd like to say before we leave? Thank you, Zabe. I would love to give a shout out to my wife. We have had quite the journey over our time together. A lot of pain stemming from an accident that lasted right at about 10 years and was at times very excruciating for her. She made it through. She had successful surgery to fix that issue just a few months ago. My admiration for what she's done in that 10 years, she went back and got her master's degree. She she went out of teaching and then came back into to teaching and then became principal. And she has, I think, all the teaching certificates you can actually get within the state of Oklahoma. She has. And now she has moved on to very already successful position at her job now, um, where she's using her incredible talents and her unbelievable intelligence and leadership to really make a name for herself very quickly. I'm really proud of her and what she's been able to accomplish. Our two boys and her are my everything. And I really appreciate her coming on here. I know this isn't really her thing, but I think she had fun nonetheless, especially making fun of me. Well, that was a lovely tribute, Jason. Thanks for being here freebie shout shout out out for you too bud (laughs) what you've done with this thing is amazing let's not talk about the show yeah thank you no 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 what you've done is absolutely astounding well we're we're trying hard to keep the boat afloat you do a great job but who we should be thanking right now is thank you the listeners for checking out the show we know you have a vast ocean of choices for your podcast and enjoyment and it is simply amazing that you chose to spend a little time on our show thank you If you like what we're doing here and you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. At our Patreon site, you will see special offers for becoming a contributor to the show. So take advantage of those if you are interested. If you'd like, you can head over to whowillsavegenx.com to learn all about the ways you can do your part to save Gen X from being forgotten. If not, please consider us next time. But if you're feeling like a slacker at the moment, you could just email me and I promise to write you back with all the details you want. You can reach me or any of the judges at who will save Gen X at gmail.com. 
In either case, thanks so much for listening. Well, that's it for the episode. Thanks again for checking out the show. We welcome you to share it with that special Gen Xer in your life and subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Don't worry. I'll clean it up for you, bully. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.